morning picks up the story, showing us how some other characters respond to this newborn king. If you'd like to read along, this is from Matthew's Gospel in chapter 2. That's page 966 in the Blue Bibles. Matthew chapter 2, page 966. Then look for the big number 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for that is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose ahead of them until it stopped uh, over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Thanks very much, Rachel. My name's Matt. Uh, I'm one of the leaders here. Thanks so much for being with us today. It's my privilege just to get to look with you at this um, passage from the Bible a little bit more. I guess some people had some measure of anticipation and hope going into this most recent election, though I know for, for many people it is pretty hard to hold on to much hope for politics. But either way, across our country, and I expect even among us here, there is uh, a very different responses to our election's results to our own new rulers as of Friday morning. Uh, some perhaps are hopeful of progress, others perhaps fearful of where this realignment's going to take us. But I tell you what, I doubt there are very many who'd say, alas, we have the perfect ruler. Alas, it's finally come. One who is going to do everything right. One who will do anything for the good of his people. But what if? What if there was a perfect ruler? Well, surely if a perfect ruler came, everyone, everyone would welcome and celebrate a king like that. One who is a true cause for hope. One who is going to make things better at last. One who is worthy of all the trust we might put in them. Well, if you remember our first reading, that ancient prophecy of a king who's going to reign wisely and bring deliverance, God's people spent hundreds and hundreds of years waiting for and looking for that king, their forever king, the one they believe would be the best king ever. The same king's conception was announced to his mother Mary. That was our second reading there. He would be given the throne of his father David, she was told. That's how that one fits in. 
In our third reading, the angel sends terrified shepherds to look for the promised king, and he calls the promised king Messiah. Uh, That just means God's chosen one. And then finally, as we heard right there in that last reading, these wise foreigners uh, arrive in Jerusalem, uh, drawn from the other ends of the earth. They're hoping to find uh, a newborn king. So there is a lot of anticipation. There are many people hoping for and waiting for and searching for this coming king. The moment's finally come. This is the one. And yet, as we follow the story from the very first moments of his arrival, we see there are very different responses to him. Well, how come there are so different responses? Is there anything for us to learn here? Well, let's start with these magi. You know, the we three kings of Orient are? It's a required part of any nativity, really, isn't it? Best costume by a country mile. That word magi... That, uh, that's someone who has special understanding based on the stars, someone with secular and religious knowledge, a professor plus a priest, you might say. And these were obviously pretty important people because see how easily they get to have an audience with King Herod. They rock up right from a gazillion miles away. Nobody knows who they are from Adam. And uh, there they are speaking to the king. You can bet he didn't just keep the doors open. And welcome anyone who wanted to see him. So they're significant people. And and yet they put their whole lives on hold to go and search for what this star signifies. To go and hunt for this newborn king. They came from the east, it says. That's probably a a, a month-long journey back in the day. There's no easy jet route. There's no high-speed rail link. There's no good roads. Well, there probably aren't any roads at all, basically. Most likely, they came on a long, wobbly camel trek through the desert. Uh, riding on an animal that turns spitting into an art form. That's pretty hard going. And they come to see, they say, the one who has been born king of the Jews. Well, that's odd because the Roman Empire at this time was vast, important, uh, powerful. Perhaps it makes sense to come and see the newborn Roman king. But a king of the Jews, I mean, this is a a minor people, just one more of those tribes and peoples who are being kind of oppressed under the thumb of the Romans, just one more minor part of the global drama. It's a bit odd that they should do all of that going and coming just for a king of the Jews. And they haven't just come to say hello either or congratulations. It says they've come to worship there in verse 2. We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. They came bringing these precious presents, albeit rather strange presents. I'm not sure I really need that much myrrh myself. Um, But they've carried this stuff through the desert, through bandit country. And, uh, you know, that's some significant risk. I'm not sure I fancy carrying a block of gold across town here. Well, imagine taking it across the desert. They must have thought they were onto something pretty big. That this was something massive. They must have actually hoped that this really would be a king who would make things different, that this child who was born really could change everything. I think that's what their journey tells us. I think that's what their gifts tell us. They dared to hope, and as a result of that, they got to meet the newborn king. What about the other characters? Well, these chief priests you can see here with their books 
and their scrolls. Let's take a look at them. See, when, the, when these magi turn up in Jerusalem looking for a king, Herod wants information and he wants it fast. So he goes to the experts. He goes to the people who spend their whole lives studying the holy writings. You know, these books back to front, inside out. If there is a king coming, if there is a special king coming, a king of the Jews, where is he going to come from? Well, when King Herod asked them this question, you should notice exactly what he asked. It's in verse 4 there, as you look down. He asks where the Messiah was to be born. That's odd. These magi show up looking for a king. Herod isn't asking about a king. He's asking about the Messiah. He's connected the two of those in his head. It means the anointed one, the chosen one, um, the promised one. For these priests, it should bring together so many of the stories and traditions and writings they know. Like perhaps that one we read first of all this morning. So what do you see them doing? Are they rubbing their hands in glee? Are they thrilled? Oh, it's so exciting. It's maybe finally time at last. The guy that they've been promised for so long. Maybe he's finally here. Maybe this is the time we get to see God rise up his ruler and throw off this Roman oppression. We'll take back our place as the leader of all the nations. You're there thinking, it's showtime. That's what the priest should be thinking. What do we get from them? Nothing like that. You can almost see them shrug as they answer. Where's this guy going to be born? Mm, You know, Bethlehem, of course. The prophet said so a long time ago. New star. Sure, thanks. That is very exciting for you. Um, But surely you know all this stuff is just a fairy tale. We've been waiting hundreds and hundreds of years waiting for nothing. Don't get so excited. Nothing is actually going to happen here. These priests, these ones who know all about God's chosen coming deliverer from their writings, from their books, they know exactly where he's going to show up. Do you know what? They can't even bring themselves to go five-ish miles to see if he actually is the one. Seriously, it's about five miles from where they are in Jerusalem to Bethlehem. Maybe it's a bit snowy or cold. When I checked, the forecast was actually 17 degrees and sunny for Christmas Day. So that won't, that won't cut it. Um, perhaps they've been, perhaps let, let's give them some credit. Perhaps they've been excited before. Perhaps they got their hopes up in the past and they had them crushed and they just don't want to do it again. Or perhaps, perhaps they've studied and read and studied and read and their heads are full of data and information, but they don't believe a word of it. They just know about it. In any event, when these foreigners wander in through one door saying, where is this king? And they're like, in Bethlehem. Well, the foreigners just head back out again in search of the baby. And the religious know-it-alls just sit there in Jerusalem. A newborn king, whatever. One more character I want us to take a look at in this reading today. And that is this King Herod. These magi who come knocking on his door really could do with studying up on international diplomacy because when they show up in Jerusalem on their baby-driven hunt, you know what they start with? They make no bones about the fact they are looking for a king, the one who has been born king of the Jews. That's in verse 2. But on either side of that, it's like the text wants to make this point to us. In verse 1, there already was a king of the Jews during the time of King Herod. Verse 3, well, when King Herod heard these guys saying, we're looking for a newborn king. I don't know whether you've noticed or not, 
But by and large, there is only one king at a time. That's how this throne thing works. It's not really a multi-occupancy deal. You know, there's just, uh, there's just one guy there. Either Herod is the king, and so this new guy isn't, or, or this new... Well, I don't think he's too keen on that option. Now, Herod is sneaky about it. Let's be fair. He's sneaky about it. He doesn't come right out with it. He says to the Magi, before they head on their way again, he says, go and search carefully for the child. And as soon as you find him, rep- report to me so that I too may go and worship him. <coughs> Herod, to those who would be so naive as to trust him, he seems to welcome this new king. Ah, oh, another king in my territory. How exciting. I look forward to meeting him. That's going to be great. I'm sure we'll get on. He, he, he looks like that. But perhaps you'll know how that story turned out. It is certainly not worship that Herod plans for this newborn king. But why does Herod respond like that? Why is he not up for it? Why is he not excited? Well, he is so afraid a random new baby might one day pose a threat to him. He orders the baby should be taken out. He loves his position. He loves his exaltation. He loves his authority. He is dead set against anything that might change that. Even a promised deliverer. Even a cause for hope. Even one who would rule perfectly. It's him or it's me, thinks Herod. And I know who gets my vote. The Magi, these priests, and King Herod. If they walked into a bar, it'd be like the start of a bad joke, wouldn't it? But so what? If you've been with us before, one of the things we love to do here at Hope City is ask the question, well, so what? A a promised baby? Different people, different reactions. But this is all long, long ago. This is all in a place far, far away. What could it possibly have to do with you and me here and today? I think the first thing to wonder about is how we would respond to Christmas news like this. Would we actually welcome a newborn king? Many people today, I think, are pretty okay with a cute baby. That's not a hard thing to get by. Somebody you can... Fit cozily into your nativity scene. Give us a bit of a Christmas that's about, you know, food and family and presents and traditions and goodwill. But what if the Christmas story is really about a coming king? A good king. A perfect king. But make no mistake, somebody who is king. A king who plans to rule. That'd be good news for you. Or do you feel like that seat is already taken and there's someone in charge of things, thanks very much, and that's me? And so you're not really looking for another king, if you're honest. It's not that it's hard to find out about this stuff. The truth is it's just not welcome. But then what if? What if the only path to real hope The only path to a hope that is not going to disappoint you is through this king. What if the only real hope for this world is through this king? See, that's the second thing the story makes us wonder about, this idea of hope. And it makes us ask the question, do we dare to hope for a better king? A lot of talk about hope in this election. don't know if you listened to many of the politicians talking about hope. For all the talk, I'm not sure there was much hope that things are going to be fundamentally and finally fixed. Whoever got the top drawer at the exit. 
So do we dare to hope for a better ruler? Do we dare to hope for someone who is so much better than any politician? You dare to hope for somebody who's going to reign wisely, somebody who will actually do what's just and right, somebody who actually cares about you and me so much that they will do whatever it takes, that they will pay whatever the cost for you. Do you dare to hope for a world that is better than the best moments we experience in our lives today? Do you dare to believe that this is not the summit of your life and your experience, that there could be a world where there is an end to wrong, where there's an end to sadness, where there's an end to suffering, a world where there'll be an end to dog-eat-dog, and instead we can delight in thriving together. Do we dare to hope this baby Jesus might truly be all the Bible tells us he is? He might truly be this one who will come and change everything? I think the truth is there are a lot of people like these priests that we read about. They see others pursuing this hope alongside them, but they can't bring themselves to join in. They've got plenty of information, but knowing is just one thing. Believing is quite another. Perhaps you've been burned too many times by false hopes raised. There's a lot of false hope on offer in our world, isn't there? Perhaps you've been waiting so long for things to change and you've given up. Perhaps it all just seems too good to believe. Impossible that this could really be true. This Christmas, why not nurture that spark of hope instead of quashing it? Why not dare to hope that there actually could be something better than another day? Another government, another meal, another holiday, something so much better. Why not dare to hope there might be a newborn king who comes to change everything? There's not a lot of reason for hope in our world. Why not dare to hope for a better one? Like these magi, why not decide to pursue hope? How could you do that practically? Explore faith. Explore the story of this child, Jesus. If you're shy, um, take a free book. We've got a big blank bookcase over here. Everything on there is free. Take it. Uh, Take these blue Bibles. Take one of them. Read Jesus' story. It's our gift to you. Talk to somebody around you. You could talk to me. Or why not just come along here for a few weeks to explore with us. Join us for another Sunday as we look at this hope together week after week. But this Christmas, I want to encourage you to let hope breathe again. This baby Jesus is the reason for hope. I'm going to give us just 30 seconds to think about hope and how you want to respond to that. Then I'm going to pray. And uh, then we'll have a look at what questions have been raised. Just 30 seconds to think about hope.
Let's pray together. Lord God, you are the reason for hope in our often broken world. Thank you that you give us reason to hope by promising uh, a deliverer, by sending that deliverer, by working through him to make the way for us to be right with you again at the cross. Oh, Lord, I pray that you would help us to be a people who dare to hope. Who dare to hope even though not everything is the way it should be, not by a long shot. People who dare to hope that because of Jesus, one day it will. Might help us to nourish and kindle that hope within us rather than squash it. Might help us to pursue it and to explore it rather than to ignore it. Please might we know hope this Christmas. Amen.